You're listening to All the King's Men. The views and opinions expressed are solely those of the host and other contributors. They do not necessarily represent those of the Los Angeles Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. My name is Jesse Cohen. This is All the King's Men. John Stevens was named the new head coach of the LA Kings this week. LA Kings insider John Rosen and Yahoo's Josh Cooper were both at the press conference and they both joined me today to discuss the hiring and other Kings news from earlier this week. There's a lot of decisions to be made over the next few months and we will have podcasts for you whenever Kings news happens. Subscribe to the podcast to ensure you never miss an episode. Subscription links and recent episodes can be found at lakings.com slash podcast. If you haven't listened to it yet, we released an episode earlier this week where the Royal Half and I discussed the hiring as well as the playoffs. Pete Weber celebrated the Predator sweep of the Blackhawks, and then Lindsay Zarneski, Bo Hamby, and Dave Joseph helped me break down the first two games of the Ontario Reigns series against the San Diego Gulls. So, please do give that episode a listen right after this. Joining me now, LA Kings insider John Rosen. How are you doing today, John? Good, good. You know, I, I know there's a ton of Kings stuff to go over, but um, I just wanted to know if everyone would be okay if... Josh and I just took like the first 20 minutes to recap the first episode of Silicon Valley, and then we could go from there. <laughs> sure. Why not? Why not? And uh, also right. also joining me from uh, Yahoo's Puck Daddy blog, Josh Cooper. How are you doing today, Josh? I'm so excited to do this, and I'm also so excited after I read all the reviews for Guardians of the Galaxy and saw that they were very positive. Well, yeah. I mean, why wouldn't they be? The first one was fantastic. <laughs> and apparently so is the second one. Yeah. Apparently the soundtrack is amazing too. So uh, we have brought you a uh, a, a, a a reunion of the three J's from Saturday Straight Up Kings fans. Um, the three of us were at Staples Center Monday for the press conference announcing John Stevens is the new head coach of the Los Angeles Kings. John, you are inside the LA Kings. That's why they call you the LA Kings Insider. Uh, anything stand out to you from that press conference or the naming of uh, John Stevens as head coach? I thought they were pretty uh, detailed about how they uh, are going to look to try and create offense from this current group that they have. This group will evolve. It will be a little bit of a different group next year. But uh, you heard a lot of discussion, I, I felt, about schemes and systems play. Um, and, and both coming from Rob Blake uh, as well as John Stevens, uh, you heard about them speaking about how they want a, a better ratio of shots coming from high danger areas. And it wasn't just shot volume, uh, the way they entered the zone and um, you know, the, the way that, that they were able to get the puck to the middle of the ice. John Stevens, you know, I think one of the probably the most famous quote from the uh, entire press conference was, uh, and I'm, you know, paraphrasing here, but, you know, if we lead the league in uh, in goaltender interference reviews, yeah. it'll be a happy coach. So um, they want to be able to get those centers uh, with the pucks on their sticks in high danger areas, get them those pucks there. Um, and again, if you if you have great centers in the National Hockey League, you're going to do well. You're going to have playoff success. Uh, being good down the middle is, is a very, very important thing. It was interesting how it relates to Andre Kopitar, and you also heard uh, um, John Stevens reference analytics a couple of times. So a, lo a lot of interesting stuff, but you know, it was kind of just the uh, overall scheme, systems play, how they look to try and get a little bit more offense uh, uh, going in 17-18. Uh, Josh, anything you uh, take away from that press conference? One thing that John pointed out, which I thought was really fascinating when they were doing it, was they were very specific in the areas that they thought that they didn't do a very good job in and how they wanted to fix it. And I thought that was fascinating because generally you see these new coaches or general managers get up there and make these grand proclamations of, 
we want more offense. We're going to score more and we're going to, you know, be aggressive and fast and do this. But really, they said we didn't have very good zone entries. We want to get the puck to the more the middle of the ice because we were too much on the perimeter. And they explained in incredible detail about this. And I thought that was pretty fascinating overall. Uh, I, I liked what they said about that. Uh, you know, one of the things that I thought was kind of interesting, and, and I tried to kind of broach the topic a little bit with, with John Stevens on it, was, you know, was this something that you had seen last year when you were coaching the team because he was an assistant coach? And he pointed out that this is something that, while it was known a bit, that they want to put more emphasis on it, which I totally understand. I mean, you know, different coaches do, even though he has been with the Kings, he predates Daryl Sutter. I mean, he, he probably wants to do things a bit of a different way. And I'm sure this is this is something that uh, that he wants to put more emphasis on, as he said. But I I, I liked what he said. I, I thought that a lot of it made sense. Now you got to put the plan into action. And it seems like it was something that even though it's easy to say, oh, they just promoted the associate coach. I think that a lot of meticulous planning went into this. And, and I think that it's clear just based on what was said and how it was said. One of the things that struck me the most about the press conference and then the individual media scrums that broke down afterwards was that it sounded less like, um, uh, you know, a new coach being ushered in and, a, you know, an, an old coach and an old system being, you know, flushed out or, you know, house cleaning is a phrase that gets tossed around a lot. But it sounded to me more like what a coach might say following an important loss in a, in a postgame press conference. You know, as you said, John, they referenced analytics, they referenced specific things that they wanted to get better at, that they needed to do to improve, while also acknowledging that there were tons of things that they did well, um, and and saying that they didn't want to get away from the things that they did well, they simply needed to improve the areas that, that clearly um, hurt them this season. And I, I don't know, for me personally, I found that um, encouraging, because the Kings have been so good at at different things and you know whether or not a, an injured goalie is a is a legitimate excuse for missing the playoffs is a totally different argument but you do have to concede that the team did perform well at least in the de- defensive aspects of the game given that their starting goalie was out for 60 games so i was i was encouraged um by that john did that does that ring true at all to you you know, it was interesting. There was a lot of of the X's and O's talk, and and then it did get um, a little bit more aligned towards maybe the cerebral and the intangible and unquantifiable. Where, um, you know, and I'm quoting John Stevens here. He said, "I think early on as a coach, I was a real X and O guy. I was going to teach the game as I saw it on the board, and I soon realized that relationships are probably just as important as X and O's in the spirit of your team." And I think through all the coaches and certainly with Daryl, just how important it is to push your team emotionally, keep them in a good place. And that's probably a part of the game I pay more attention to today than I did 10 years ago. That was a great answer to a really good question that Josh asked back uh, at the press conference about how he is different. Um, We all know that there will be uh, probably a little bit better buy-in than we saw at the very end of this season, the last 15 games, 20 games, whatever it was, uh, under Daryl Sutter. Uh, And a new voice will be beneficial to this team. Um, I mean, you, you can talk about the relationship that Daryl Sutter had with his players. It was very good generally when the team, with most of the players, when, when the team was winning. So over the last several years, you know, it, it hasn't you know, been, didn't get headlines. There were other incidents in which the players took control of the room and wanted Daryl Sutter out of the room in important 
parts of the game after games, you know, maybe not quite as dramatic as, as you know, the, the report about the, you know, the Tampa Bay incident from several years ago. But this, it, it's very, very important um, that those types of relationships not reestablished, but, but that there is a different voice. And as John Stevens said, working on those relationships just as important as the X's and O's. But still, got to be able to motivate them. You get to the playoffs, you get seven-game series. The, 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 the mind games that Daryl Sutter, I don't know if that's the best way to put it, that Daryl played with the opponents, whether talking about the shark cage, um, the John Gibson, he's the greatest anyone's ever seen. All of that, that was mastery of using the media uh, and of responding to questions. The way that he shielded the team from from on certain days and from questions and brought a lot of the attention to himself um, was very, very good. So it's going to be interesting, but again, a long way of saying that this team should benefit from a little bit of a new voice. Josh, any answers or uh, or statements made by Blake or Stevens at, at the press conference that caught you by surprise or that were particularly uh, out of left field for you? No, nothing really that was out of left field or, or caught me by surprise. I, I think that there was some stuff afterwards that was said uh, that caught me a little bit by surprise. I mean, one was, I mean, not so much by surprise, but at least gave us some information. I mean, one was the fact that Blake said he's not going to buy out Marion Gabrick and then divulge Marion Gabrick had a procedure. And uh, then the other was talking about uh, Andre Kopitar and some of his conditioning habits and how he kind of needed to get a little bit faster. Um, and I think he was sort of referencing uh, what Jonathan Taves had said recently about how he needs to train himself to not play heavy hockey, but to play speed hockey now. Um, and I, I thought all that was kind of interesting just because, I mean, for one, we were wondering what Marion Gabrick's future is going to be with this team. And clearly it's going to be with the L.A. Kings. Um, and the other is not so much a calling out, but just kind of saying that guys need to train a little bit differently in today's day and age. I thought that was thought that was pretty fascinating. But, you know, I think one of the things in, in listening to that was how Rob Blake delivers the message. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame hockey player. And when he talks, I mean, you do listen. because, And it's not that you didn't with Dean Lombardi, but there is something that's really kind of easy as far as getting the message through from Rob Blake because he's a Hall of Fame hockey player. He's known as one of the up-and-coming management minds in the game. He worked with Team Canada uh, on a very good management staff for the World Cup of Hockey. And he's also a college guy. He got an education at Bowling Green. So I think that there's a lot that he has going for him, and I thought those were all pretty perceptive, interesting things that he brought up. John, any uh, any thoughts on either Gabrick's uh, off-season um, procedure or Kovatar's training issues? I wanted to go back to Bowling Green. Bowling Green is a really good theater department, good music department. <laughs> I visited that school. It's only an hour south of Ann Arbor. They have a hockey rink there that has a uh, very low ceiling. Um, Wait, it's not it's not where the Corvette Museum is? Is there real is there a Corvette? <laughs> no, that's a that, that's Bowling Green, Kentucky. Oh. Yeah, no, that's no, it's it's not Bowling Green, Kentucky. Bowling Green uh, State University where uh, Blake played with uh, Nelson Emerson and Dan Bilesma um is uh is south of Toledo, Ohio. And uh is a uh is a has a decent hockey program up there too. Where uh, Very good. Jordan Sigalet, the uh, goaltending coach of the Flames, is uh, is a coach there. I'm digressing. I'm sorry. This <laughs> is a right. well, it's a very, I want to hear more about the music program. Yeah, I know. That's, <laughs> well, what, I, that's what I was focused on. I was like, okay, 
Well, and, and there, there's more, though. Uh, Tom Holy, the PR director for the Dallas Stars, went to Bowling Green. And what? so did Steve Mears, uh, I believe. From uh, Yeah. Here's it's, a story. A, this is what we would fill our broadcast with uh, when we were uh, broadcasting CCHA, the, the uh, no longer existing college hockey conference, of which Michigan and Bowling Green uh, were members uh, up until about 2011 or 12, I believe. Um, so... The reason that Bowling Green has orange and brown colors is because the athletic department or the, the athletic uh, uh, director some uh, 100, 140 years ago uh, was traveling. I don't think it was that long ago, but was traveling on a train through the Midwest and was sitting behind a lady who had a brown and an orange feather stuck in her hat. And he said, I love those colors, and that's why Bowling Green has uh, the colors of orange and, uh, and brown. That story is like a carbon copy of a carbon copy of a carbon copy, um, but that's more or less the gist of why they have uh, the colors that they do. I would not have been able to identify their colors before you told me that story. <laughs> oh, you got to follow more college football. One of, uh, one of Myers. <laughs> I'll pass. But, uh, but back to uh, Josh's point about um, Gabrick's uh, injury and Kopitar's training. Uh, any thoughts on those, John? Yeah. Yeah, that, that was uh, a thing that stuck with me as well in talking with Rob Blake. And keep in mind that he didn't say he has to train better or has to condition himself better. It's just different. This is evolving as an art of being or a science, I should say, of being able to kind of gauge and evaluate how players are putting themselves ready for the start of the season. Because everything and this is why it was so surprising to hear about, you know, what, what Blake said. And again, I kind of asked him to clarify it later on, because everything that I have ever is that Andre Kopitar is the hardest working player on the team. Kim, Jeff Carter. You talk every year, you hear, oh, this player is coming into camp in great shape. That player is in the best shape of his life. Like literally every single year, I end up talking to the strength coaches and Daryl has dropped this so many different times in conversations of how hard he works and how well conditioned he was. So that that surprised me just to hear that there needs to be some sort of evolution of how he trains because uh, – we, we all know, those who, who see it day-to-day know, know the work. And he's not one of the players that is, is he's, he's almost always on, on the ice, unless you're getting late in the season, back-to-backs, lots of travel. Um, you know, he's, he's not one that is among the most likely to take the option. Not that that really matters, because Jeff Carter, again, uh, is the, probably the most conditioned player on this LA Kings team, and he probably takes the most options out of any player. But, again, we digress. Um, that was a, kind of a little bit of a surprising part. Um, you know, uh, other than that, uh, you know, no, I mean, it's surprising hearing about Gabrick because we didn't know about that before. I think we kind of suspected something might have been up. You didn't see the explosiveness uh, in certain parts of the season, um, the ability to go and make those plays around the net. That that wasn't always there consistently. So uh, that, that was probably also a surprise. Shocking to me was that of the six players that played 82 games this season, um, Forbert and Martinez both had to have uh, procedures done. Now, Toffoli and Gabrick both missed time this season due to injury, so I wasn't terribly surprised to see them included in the press release today. But Forbert and Martinez uh, were a bit of a shock to me. John, do you know how serious those issues were? I mean, like I said, they both played all 82 games, and, and both, I think, were relatively praised for their contributions this season. No, the one I was more concerned with, uh, other than Gabrick, was probably Martinez, just because he had the groin injury at the end of last year, had shoulder surgery last at the very beginning of last offseason, and then had another procedure. Uh, again, um, uh, a new new time to correct his groin. But for Gabrick, by the way, 
you know, he, he's had two different knee sprains since 2013. So um, you hope that just as, you know, not just as a player, but just that he has a you know good quality of life after his playing days and everything is sorted out and fine. And that, um, you know, not only is he ready to go, but he's, he's able to, you know, walk comfortably, uh, you know, once he's done playing hockey. Uh, um, you know, there were other players, too, that, that have dealt with injuries. Andre Kopitar dealt with something over the course of the year, did not need a procedure, did not need um, surgery or anything like that to correct it at the end of the year, but did deal, obviously, with the, the hand, arm, wrist uh, injury for for a good middle stretch of the season. Um, but no, no, six guys uh, um, played through injuries. And again, it's amazing what Drew Doughty has done because he now has the, you know, he still has the um, uh, most consecutive games played streak uh, on this Kings team. And he's somebody who plays 27, 28 minutes a night against the toughest guys, you know, deals with, you know, elbows to the face like Matthew Kachuk gave him, uh, other blunt force injuries, blocking shots, battling around the boards, getting into the dirty areas of the ice. Um, that he has been able to maintain his uh, consecutive games played streak, which is uh, right around 250. You get that in a second. And I just want to continue to uh, pump Drew Doughty's tires. Even when he has a bad game, it's never for lack of effort. You know, you could accuse him sometimes maybe of trying to do too much or being a little bit out of control, but I- I've never seen him take a shift off. I mean, the kid wants to win and he wants to play. Um, making this, He's incredible. Making that streak all the more impressive, I would say. Yeah, yeah, I, I I think he's incredible. Sorry, sorry, John, you go. <laughs> you go, go. Oh yeah, no, I I just, I just want to talk about the awesomeness of Drew Doughty, um, because it's around uh, Norris Trophy season, and <laughs> I'm sick and tired of hearing that he won the award last year because it was some Canadian media conspiracy. He won it based on his own merits. Any of us who voted talked to enough people that told us that Drew Doughty was the best all-around defenseman in the entire NHL last year. And piggybacking off that point, he is a phenomenal all-around player. He puts it on the line every shift. He's not really out of position very often defensively. He always gets back if he pinches. He's truly a phenomenal all-around player. I like his game an awful lot. There we are. Perfect. John, were were you able to find the actual uh, number there? Oh, well, I have a I have a Washington Capitals game notes right here. Oh, uh, he was at 131 <laughs> on the day that the Kings played the Capitals at home, so it's just shy of 250. Fair enough. Uh, but um, yeah, like it was interesting talking with Drew at the very end of the season um, because he said his season felt like just about any other season, um, right in line with his season last year when he won the Norris Trophy. And there did seem to be maybe just a little bit of a lull midway through the season, but like you know. No one's going to go and step on the other guy's necks for 82 straight games. Yeah. Uh, you know, people have some ebbs and flows in their games. I, you know, maybe the consistency was down just a little bit. He had set a pretty high freaking bar to begin with. Um, nothing that he did this year dissuaded me or further emphasized the fact that he's still the best defenseman in the game. The organization sees it that way. There are people in the organization who think he's the best all around player in the entire sport of hockey. But um, one of the things that you can see that, that, that he did well this season is that he created a, a very good first pairing with Derek Forbert, raised his play, allowed Forbert to prove that he's somebody that can stick in the National Hockey League. Forbert's not a number two defenseman. He's probably about a number four or number five. Um, but Dowdy's ability to play with him, shield him just a little bit, um, that that's pretty impressive. Um, he, he had a good season. Uh, when we get to his evaluation over the course of the summer, it'll be an interesting conversation in the comments section on LA Kings Insider because um, 
you know, I, I saw this season as another pretty much status quo season for Dowdy. They do have uh, a. I have a. Go ahead, Josh. Sorry. I, I actually have a question uh, about Drew Dowdy because um, we often talk about him in the prism of the Norris debate between him and Eric Carlson, which seems like this year it's more Eric Carlson versus Brent Burns. But if the Kings do go with this more offensive system, what does this mean for Drew Dowdy's numbers, you think? I mean, do you think that he gets back to that 60-point, 59-point level he had as a sophomore in the NHL? I mean, what, what's our thoughts on that? I think he'll his uh, assists will go up. I don't see his goals rising sharply because there's still players. As, he has a good, accurate shot, but you know, I think guys like Jake Muzzin, uh, Alec Martinez, even like Matt Green is a harder shot probably than Drew Dow. He's got a real hammer, but um, I, I would think that his assists would rise, primary, secondary assists. Yeah, I I, I suspect that it'd have a I lot have more- to do with who he gets paired with as well because you can sort of go back and look at his seasons, and when he's asked to play – the senior defensive role, for lack of a better term. I mean, when he's paired with Muzzin and Muzzin is activated and he's the one hanging back a step to to cover up any defensive mistakes, his numbers tend to go down. Whereas when he's paired with a Rob Scuderi or a Robin Regeer or someone like that, he tends to to be the one to rack up a few more points. So so I agree with John. I think his assists uh, will probably go up, but I think it also probably links to who he winds up playing with. I, I do have one more question for John, because, John, you watched every single minute of every single Kings game. When did Drew Doughty take a face-off? <laughs> I remember seeing that happen. I think that's why the score is there. Because he has a 100% face-off percentage, as does Derek Forbert, believe it or not. Was he credited with one in Philadelphia? That might have been the game. I'm not sure. I vaguely remember seeing that. And then... Is it possible during an overtime they might have kicked somebody out of the face-off circle and he was the next... No, I would, I would, I would, I don't, I believe me, you go from place to place and see some of the scoring changes. I don't want to, I don't want to go there because I've actually, the like one time that the NHL uh, contacted the Kings um, about something that I said. Um, and I know Puck Daddy might get that a lot if I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> I'm, I guess you can. No, <laughs> we know they never contact us about anything. Keep up the no. good. Um, the one time I got a note from the league was, that I'm aware of. Uh, was when I had said in a waking up from the Kings because of some questionable scoring decisions in a game against Colorado, I think in 2013-14, that it's too bad that the off-ice officials missed a really good hockey game or something like that. And the NHL. Oh! Was it, it was like, I've said probably things that have been worse. Than that. <laughs> okay, uh, I, I found it. I found, I found Drew Doughty's face-off. All right. The game logs. I found it. Uh, John, do you recall on October 25th against the Columbus Blue Jackets, Drew Doughty had a face-off and won it? No, no, but I think this is great <laughs> right here. Uh, this is nuts. <laughs> My mind is blown. Uh, uh, we've referenced a couple of decisions they have to make over the summer. Obviously, they have to fill out a uh, an assistant coaching staff, and there's some contracts to deal with. John, have you heard anything about either – uh, any coaches that have been or will be retained or any of the uh, contract extensions that, that need to be addressed? Yeah, I just spoke with uh, Bill Ranford over email yesterday, and he said that you know now that John is, is on board as head coach, he, he's back. Um, the question I have for him, because I think he could be a very good head coach if that's something that he wants to do at any point in his career, because he's done very, very good things uh, as a goaltending coach. Uh, and I think he's incredibly smart, has great relationships with his players, not just the goalies. Um, and is, you know, he's a goaltending coach. He's also an assistant coach for this team. Um, I've just, 
curious uh, just to conversationally if he's ever interested in becoming a head coach but that's neither here nor there he's on this staff uh, as for the other two um um open spots uh both blake and, and steven said that they'll, they'll go over that they've spoken about that a little bit but that that's going to take some time and you know now that the positions are open you're going to start hearing from people that maybe you didn't even know um, were interested in those types of positions you know when when daryl sutter filled out his staffs he liked to be surrounded by coaches who had had head coaching experience previously uh, it's going to be interesting to see if, if that's something that, that comes into play here um, but um, at, at this point it's it's still a little bit too early um, there are a lot of things that, that, that they have to do and it was interesting to hear Rob Blake say too one of the priorities is is Pearson and Toffoli and getting them under contract um, because that's going to take a little bit of creativity there um, they're kind of been uh, up and down optimism on contracts for those two players um, you know, I, I think, you know, in December it, it was at its most optimistic from what I was talking, you know, when, when Dean Lombardi was presiding over these, these negotiations. Um, but that's something where the Kings cannot afford, um, to lose a player uh, of that ceiling or caliber, um, and have to uh, all of a sudden fill another, uh, offensive hole. So, you know, I, I, everything that we heard yesterday was that, uh, Rob Blake was going to emphasize that as a priority. Um, in terms of something that that will be towards the, the forefront, um, that, that, that's going to be a challenge though, because those both those players, for, for varying reasons too, have have uh, put stated their cases to get termed to get paid, and you know they they are coming off bridge deals, so um, it's going to be interesting to see how that transpires. Well, I think that is going to wrap it up for now, uh, John. I want to thank you as always for joining us. My pleasure, man. Thank you, Jesse. Josh, a uh, pleasure as always. Uh, this was a lot of fun. A uh, little uh, Tuesday night straight up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so for the other two Js, my name is Jesse Cohen. Thanks for listening, Kings fans. We will talk to you soon.